0: Hi friends, I'm Tanya Luna, psychology researcher and writer.
1: And I'm Brian Luna, and I'll always prefer fast-moving zombies. And you're listening to Talk, Talk Psych, Psych to me. me. A
0: show where we take research out of the lab and into the streets.
1: Let's get into it.
0: Where we will have no zombies.
1: No zombies. I'm just saying, because like the the other day was Halloween. Yes. It just ended. I'm still in that I'm still in that horror funk, so Well, bring it we're on.
0: gonna be talking about something
1: horrible not spooky <laughs> oh <that's>, yay <laughs> so we should match up but just fine.
0: delicious just okay. like halloween candy because today we're continuing our series of the senses mm-hmm. and we are up to the third sense I'm which guessing is taste
1: taste yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> oh but maybe i got the tie-in tasting your halloween candy
0: yeah that was then, my tie-in
1: oh oh well there you go <laughs> <laughs> so, so we are synced.
0: <laughs> We're totally in sync. So actually taste is the least studied of the senses. I wonder wow, that's so crazy. So that's... we'll talk about that in a moment, but first, pop quiz. Brian yeah. Luna, yeah. what tastes can we humans tell apart?
1: Uh, a sour? Yes. Bitter? Yes. Sweet? Yes. Um, anxious blood? <laughs> metallic? Um,
0: okay, you got sour how many bitter? how many how many are there five
1: uh sour bitter sweet um tangy i guess uh, that's sour that's sour uh salty is it sour
0: no salty is different from sour
1: all right all right so there we go <laughs>
0: and then the last one is umami or savory. oh come on
1: if you're just gonna make words out, okay then <laughs> mine is gululu. <laughs>
0: savory is another word for umami umami yeah so it's like uh oh, the savoriness can, can of like, you give me an
1: example of umami i'd yeah. like to can i hear that in a sentence
0: yeah that broth had a richness of an umami richness to it
1: that sounds completely made up no, like
0: broth um umami. Uh, can, can tofu can, you, can i get uh, the origin of, of that word <laughs> <laughs> no because the this is word not a is spelling bee d-bag <laughs> okay so One million colors, roughly, we can tell apart, Uh about one trillion (laughs) scents, and about five tastes. Do you think that's why taste gets the least funding and attention?
1: I also think because taste doesn't really have any benefit to our health or anything. Like, you know, senses, like the sight sound, touch, those are pretty, pretty important in terms of like yeah. survival and stuff. But taste, Other than like something it tastes like bad, detect
0: poisons uh, vitamins,
1: or... vitamins taste like absolute ass. And yet we have to take them every day because they're so beneficial for us. Well, so scientist sure our... doesn't care. But sci- but I'm saying scientists doesn't care about making a good tasting vitamin. They don't give a shit. Well, they maybe they anything. should.
0: We'll Which, maybe. So I will say I had a really hard time taking vitamins and then I switched over to gummy vitamins (laughs) and now i don't even have to remind myself because gummy vitamins are delicious so this is why even though yeah i agree with you and and by the way david hill who leads one of the few taste labs in the world he says he thinks that the reason that labs like his struggle to get funding is senses like to your point hearing vision smell it's really hard to get by without those obviously people do every day but it's much harder to get by without those versus
1: taste meanwhile i think that was what everyone was afraid about with COVID.
0: Right, they didn't was realize losing it was that smell. sense of
1: taste because, like, taste coincides a lot with socializing, right? Because, like, yeah. you go out with your friends, you have some cocktails, uh, you know. Get, I think that's what people do—cocktails uh, <laughs> and maybe have some snacks, some nachos and stuff. I don't Babe, know what pairs been a up while with cocktails. Since you've been around I don't know what pairs up with people. cocktails. <laughs> I don't do that, but I know for me, if I couldn't taste bean dip and then a Dr Pepper right after that. I know you'd I be know, a sad person I would, what's the point so the
0: interesting thing like with covid it was really smell that was the and still mm. is the big at-risk sense mm-hmm. the interesting thing about taste is it's very rare to have a prolonged inability to taste because taste cells regenerate every 10 days hmm. so like if your brain cells die they're gone but if you burn your tongue or something you'll be fine in mm-hmm. a little while uh, but yeah I think you're right unless you're talking about like Making sure that something isn't poisonous or isn't going to make you sick, which for the most part, like we don't rely on taste for that. We rely on like labels for that mm-hmm. and other people. Taste is more of a quality of life thing than a question of being alive, which is why I, I still think it's totally exciting and important to talk yeah, about. It's to your point about cocktails and nachos, wherever yeah. people are mixing those. <laughs> it's a part of how we
1: socialize. It's a part of what you makes obviously us enjoy don't life. know the New York scene, <laughs> obviously. And let me just say this. Yes. And this is kind of going off topic, but I don't want to put some stuff out there okay. that you said just now that may or may not be true. But scientists are discovering that brain cells do, in fact, Regenerate. replenish themselves. Okay, yeah, Okay, so yeah. I'm just saying, I, I, but not every 10 days, but I'm just saying, I it don't is- want to.
0: There does seem to be some evidence that some brain yes. cells can't. And we're regenerate.
1: we're about educating. I don't want you to throw something out there and make you look like a fool for the <laughs> next, you. you know, two or three years. Thank so you. I'd try, hate to I'm be the one that you. looks like a fool on this Thank podcast. You. Yes. Yeah. Wait.
0: So, to... <laughs> so actually there is a field within taste research that is burgeoning, burgeoning. I'm, I'm having another one of those moments where I'm like, is <laughs> that a word? Yeah, it's it's flourishing. If there's a bunch of money going to it, there's a bunch of excitement burgeoning. Bur- burgeoning? <laughs> okay, get back to. Yeah, okay. uh, it's called neurogastronomy, which is an interdisciplinary study between psychology, neuroscience, agriculture, and the culinary arts. And the goal of neurogastronomy is to understand the psychology of flavor. Okay, but what's in? <laughs> you sound very. Well, I'm excited. just
1: saying, like that's a fancy way to be like, give me that grant money. But go ahead, I like it. Like we're gonna study flavor, and people are like, here, ching, ching, because I can think of like, well, think about it. Like flavor is important because you have cola, right? Like cola is a soft drink. Cola? No, well, I'm just saying, like cola oh. is like a generic. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you have RC, which tastes like ass. You have Pepsi, tastes like ass, Coke, <laughs> tastes like okay, and then Dr. Pepper, which is amazing, right? So you have all these different things, and they each have different formulas yeah. for the same thing, but oh, yeah. differences in flavor. like so. Yeah,
0: and I'm sure there are people listening to this that are like very angry with you right now because they Why? think for, Pepsi the truth doesn't hurts? taste like ass,
1: um, or okay. they really like
0: the taste of ass. <laughs> yeah, so, so
1: there you go. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I think that's the argument. That's the cold, hard truth that they have to discover right so, now. So
0: yeah, so there is a money factor to this, right? Like if I can make something that tastes good good, it's probably going to be more likely to be purchased. But Dong Han, who also goes by Dan Han, he's one of the leading researchers in, this, in the field of neurogastronomy. And his perspective is that if we can integrate these fields, that's the other reason it's interesting. It's not just that it's kind of sounds cool enough to get grant money, no, but no, no, yeah, yeah. it's really cross-functional because they're looking at not just flavor, but they, they're looking at it through the lens of can we make food that's healthier, that's more affordable and less harmful to the environment? Okay. All right. So basically, if we can make healthy, cheap, eco-friendly things that are delicious, we could save the world. True or false? All right.
1: True. Hey, look, true. I'm all about flavor. You know that. Taste is a huge thing to me.
0: (laughs) The biggest challenge with understanding and impacting flavor, though, is that it's not just a matter of our sense of taste, but a result of how our other senses, our memories, our emotions, our culture, and our entire environment impact the experience of taste
1: so taste is relative so it's not what t- well yeah and that makes sense because like you love onions you <laughs> i weirdo. do not like you onions. love onions stop it
0: and in fact as a result of us even being together what was the last time i even had an onion
1: Yesterday okay, or two no, days ago. No, you, you, I had, you had green onions, onions right in front of me.
0: Onion consumption me so in my onions. mouth has been reduced by at least 98%. But don't tell you me when it was together. last time.
1: And I'm like, yesterday okay, at lunch. Fine. All right, that's
0: fine. Those are green onions. I have onions very rarely. But yes, very much a matter of taste. So it's both. Individualized, yeah so that's one of the reasons that it's complicated. So to your are, point about you know Dr. Pepper versus Pepsi versus Coke. There's no versus It's but individualized, but it also it's not like you just taste something and it's oh okay, there's flavor. Like for example, what percent of flavor do you think is actually our sense of smell?
1: I'd say like 70%.
0: Yeah, 75% is. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Dan? And, okay, so let's talk about the other senses that mm-hmm. impact our taste perception. We know smell is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Smell, by the way, that includes the smell that comes into our nose from the outside. And there's a totally different kind of smell that comes into our nose from the inside when we're chewing or
1: masticating. No, I can, I can, I can, I can, well, let's, not talk, let's not get personal <laughs> about mastication. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I guess visually, if I see a tray yeah, of Hang on, guts? hang on. We'll oh, get there. okay. We'll I'm, get sorry, there. I'm sorry, I'm right. sorry. Well, before
0: we get to I'm the tray I'm all excited of guts, about this.
1: All right. All right. Let, let me take you through the research,
0: okay? So uh, I'm going to try to... Actually, this one I'm not going to recreate because... Recreate it. Let's no, do it. No, no, it. no. Because this one has to, to do with yogurt. I'm and both of that. us know that you would not be willing to eat yogurt. So I'll tell you about this one, but then we'll recreate some other ones. Okay? I feel bad
1: because this guy, Don, can't ever bring me into his lab because I could not do the taste stuff.
0: Wait, we'll we'll do some taste things with you. Right. It, this was a challenging episode for me, and we'll, we'll get into later into this episode why taste is such a... a, a, a a tricky topic mm-hmm. for Brian Luna and mm-hmm. myself, Tanya Luna. But l- let me just tell you about this one and then we will recreate some other ones. So okay. this is a study that was conducted by Vanessa Harar and Charles Spence. Charles Spence does a lot of this research. What they did was they had participants eat yogurt. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so well, I'll just have you guess. Yeah. What?
1: gross hey, okay.
0: yeah fair uh these are participants that did not find yogurt to be gross and uh so my question for you and listeners feel free to play along which type of spoon would lead people to perceive that a yogurt is more dense and expensive a Silver heavy uh,
1: like Wait, a, like a, so like a heavy
0: one. metal spoon yes or a light plastic spoon think carefully
1: heavy and expensive eh.
0: Wait, no i'm just saying i'm repeating what you said oh okay you were repeating no, i'm I'm still sticking with a metal spoon, okay, okay. So that you're still sticking with the wrong answer. So what they found <laughs> <laughs> is that actually, a light plastic spoon led people to think of the yogurt as denser and like more luxurious because the spoon was so light that it made the yogurt feel thick and heavy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: whereas the heavier spoon made the yogurt feel light. Can
1: we see the utensils they used because <laughs> Nothing touches these lips except for pure silver. Yeah. So if we're talking, you know. Yeah.
0: Although I keep meaning to buy some plastic spoons because you get very upset about how I eat with metal spoons.
1: They bang your teeth. And Brian gets very upset about it. crash it into your mouth. All right.
0: So I am going to recreate another study on you. This one has nothing to do with yogurt. All right. For this study, I am going to play some music first. Okay. Okay. And I am going to give you something to eat.
1: My eyes are closed. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. That's better. No chocolate.
0: No. Brian Luna is allergic to chocolate. However, I am going to give you some white chocolate.
1: Okay? hmm
0: Now, I want mm-hmm. you to... Don't smell it, right? You Don't smell it. I want you to take a bite of mm-hmm. that chocolate and just describe the flavors.
1: Mm. It's like vanilla. It's very sweet. Very smooth. Um, it's like melting in my mouth.
0: Great. All right. That concludes this mini experiment.
1: I'm still getting some more stuff. Can I get some more chocolate?
0: (laughs) All right. You can open your eyes. So (laughs) this experiment was initially conducted by Felipe Carvalho and team. And what they did was they gave people chocolate Mm -hmm. to eat and they played soft, smooth notes. And they found that it made people describe the chocolate as smoother and more creamy.
1: Oh yeah, because this is not creamy chocolate, but it felt like like I felt I saw the commercial in my head. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> what
0: was in the commercial? It, it was like you know. Were you, you they... in the commercial?
1: No, I was watching the commercial. Okay. And it was basically that pouring of the chocolate, like you see. And it even was even though like,
0: I, this chocolate, I found like awesome. some old ass chocolate in the fridge. It's not
1: old ass. It's, I got this like two months ago. Okay. I, I keep don't it in know. the fridge. And I keep it called... in the fridge.
0: Hershey's, but, so, but it, fair to say, it wasn't. It wasn't that creamy. It felt creamy. Okay. Don't but... tell me. Don't gaslight me. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that. The music, the sound shifts our perception. I, of flavor. I can
1: see that, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it was—I mean, it was pretty blocky and like—I
0: could—you I could be could just... described as blocky and chalky.
1: It's not chalky. Okay,
0: okay. All right, all right. I didn't need it. I didn't need it. Okay. May I play some other sounds for you based on Annie Sylvie, Criselin, and Charles Spence's research?
1: Do I get more chocolate?
0: <laughs> no, you do not get chocolate. No, However, no, okay. you will get a chance to take a sip of that root beer Mm -hmm. that is beside you okay
1: today's episode brought to you by barks root beer (laughs) no it's not no it's not (laughs) just to be clear no it's not
0: but barks if you want to give us some of that money (laughs) send it on over and listeners i'm going to use this opportunity to say hey if you want to send us any of those stars bright gold stars leave us a review pass on the word about (laughs) toxic to me that would be delicious
1: it would be very tasteful
0: Tasteful, yes, yeah. good
1: taste. In All good right,
0: taste. so returning to this experiment, yeah. I'm going to play you a sound, okay. okay? And as you're listening to this, I want you to take a sip okay. of your barks not sponsoring this episode of <laughs> your beer. With crushed and, ice. With crushed ice. And I want you to just give me three, four words that describe the flavor. Okay. Wait, wait, but, but, but oh. not yet. Listen to the sound You first.
1: tell me when. Okay.
0: Go ahead. Just a little sip. We'll sip young man <laughs> okay okay
1: like old-fashioned um sweet and not too bitter um yeah it doesn't it it, it it feels calming like uh like soothing okay relaxing
0: and now I'm gonna play you a different sound okay. and I want you to take another sip okay and just quick sip and just describe well, it okay I'll, I'll
1: be the judge of how quick
0: <laughs> all right ready mm-hmm. let me play it first
1: It's sweet and fun, and um, <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like being a little kid again.
0: ah, interesting. So did you actually notice a flavor difference when you listened to the two different versions of the Ode first Joy? one was bitter? It and, was yeah,
1: and the second one was not
0: holy it was sweeter Molly, okay, so <laughs> Chris and Spence <laughs> you saw I didn't switch
1: it up, right? I don't know.
0: you took the sip, you poured the drink, so what they found is that low pitch sounds now you were listening to brian <laughs> pouring himself some more i'm not sure either bitter or Bark sweet barks root beer
1: not not sponsored by
0: <laughs> so they found that low pitch sounds brought out bitter flavors and high pitch sounds brought out sweet flavors
1: oh my god that that was that's, y'all try this at home because that was bananas <laughs> it was the same shit and i was like oh maybe maybe i still had the chocolate. You know. You know when you eat something and it's still in your tongue, yeah, and you contrast, drink something, and it's like it's sure. like a weird it like cancels yeah. it out, like
0: drinking orange juice after you brush your teeth.
1: Exactly. So yeah. I thought, oh, I still had chocolate on my mouth. The first no. one, then I washed it away, and then the second thing, I was like, oh, okay.
0: Isn't that fascinating? Any ideas how we can apply these findings either on touch or texture, like we talked I about? I guess with if the you're trying to sound. poison
1: someone with cyanide. <laughs> no, listen, hear me out. Okay. Cyanide is very bitter. Smells like almonds. If you're going to kill someone with cyanide, yeah. Maybe play some lighthearted music, some like do, do, do. Do you think that's why like
0: serial killers are always in the movies are always listening to uh, classical music? Ready
1: when you are, Mr. Pembroke. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) But it does potentially tell you that you should be pairing your meals with music
1: oh oh shit so when you go to those fancy ass places Mm -hmm. they got those people up there with chamber music and stuff yeah that's pretty nice or like
0: could we potentially eat less sugar if we listen to more piccolos (laughs) (laughs) and flutes and stuff right like high high pitch sounds make things taste sweeter so is it possible that you can actually consume less sugar
1: that way. But it's not like, well, I eat like a fly. You know that. I eat yeah. like a lot of sugar and I, I don't have any music playing. I don't have any like. Well,
0: that's what sugar. I'm saying. So potentially maybe you could consume less sugars if you paired your foods with the right kind of music. Interesting. All right.
1: I'm not prepared to do that, but interesting. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I see that as I'm talking to you about consuming less sugar, you are actively pouring more sugar. Well, waste not, what not.
1: What am I? You know, some some like glutton. I'm just going to dump it all out.
0: <laughs> I don't think that that's what glutton is. I don't know. All right. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about some other some other senses. Okay. Let's talk about use sight. your
1: your newfound English language and throw it back in my face. Go <laughs> okay. ahead.
0: I'll have you know I've known this language for over 30 years. <laughs> Okay, so, so sight. Not surprisingly, researchers, Nadam and team, found that color has a big impact on taste perception and expectations. Can you think of something that would taste different if it had a different color than it usually is? Cotton does? candy. Cotton candy? Yeah.
1: Cotton candy, like it's usually pink or blue, like yeah. the good shit is. Yeah. You know, not like, ooh. So you'd be ooh. kind of
0: freaked out if cotton candy. If cotton
1: candy was brown or like asbestos colored or something. The colors asbestos. Like black? Oh. Like it'd be I wouldn't eat that.
0: Okay. How yeah. about like um, bubble gum
1: bubblegum? You... Oh my gosh. Bubblegum. Uh if it if it's that black stuff that my mom used to carry in her purse, I don't know. It was like this black um licorice gum. It was disgusting.
0: But it's licorice, so that kinda of makes sense.
1: Well it doesn't matter, but it's gum and you, would you expect drink it to taste like
0: purple orange juice? Uh
1: yeah, I guess. How do how I would mean... you feel about it? Uh, I'd probably probably be a little skeptical of it. I'd probably be a little like, hmm, what's this all about? (laughs) Who brought this here?
0: Have you ever tried clear Pepsi? Yeah. You did? You were around when that was a thing? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was around. Crystal Pepsi. Yeah. and it. it. um, it was... Big flop. It was a huge flop because people didn't trust it. And everyone thought it was diet or everyone thought it was like seltzer. Mm. And it honestly... People say it tastes the exact same. Mm. It is bullshit. It didn't taste the exact same. The Pepsi Crystal Pepsi was a little—I um, don't know—it it wasn't as sweet as the regular Pepsi. And so- I know, I know, I know. But trust me, everyone's going to be. But
0: <laughs> but but the, but here's the difference between taste and flavor, right? Taste. It could have tasted exactly the same, but the flavor could have been different. Okay. Because flavor is a result of more than just taste.
1: Okay. So it was a different flavor. And anybody who says it was the same flavor is incorrect.
0: And that's because flavor is a combination of all of our different senses and how it impacts taste, which is why it's so interesting. So if you think, oh, you know what this makes me think of? (laughs) My ex boyfriend used to.
1: Oh, here we go. Here we go. The good one. uh, The the best of the boyfriend. The best of the boyfriend. Here we go.
0: (laughs) He used to tell this story of, I think his grandfather was a blackout. And everything was melting in the fridge. So they went to go eat all of the ice cream out of the fridge. Mm -hmm. And he took a spoonful and he was like, well, this is the most disgusting chocolate ice cream I've ever tasted. And they were like, no, 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 it's blackberry ice cream. And he took another spoonful and he was like, wow, this is really good blackberry ice cream.
1: Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, it's a funny story from your (laughs) ex-boyfriend. Hilarious.
0: (laughs) That always stuck with me because I'm like, from a psychology (laughs) perspective, what you're expecting. Yeah. Of the things that you taste really make an impact. Like, you know, those people that make cakes that look like burgers and stuff like that? Like, that's probably really confusing for your brain. That would mess with my brain. So plate colors, in a less weird example, plate colors and shapes also significantly impact taste. What is your guess about the most delicious plate shape and color?
1: Like, uh, well, round and uh, like a Sausalito. So like a, like a...
0: What's Sausalito?
1: (laughs) Jeez. It's the way they. So, right. all
0: this. You you, so, you obviously were the kid with the, like, thousand crayons, and I was the one with the
1: eight crayon no, box. You're is like, As as a type asbestos. Sausalino. T- and asbestos isn't a color. It's a thing that we use to do. People... I've never seen the
0: asbestos crayon. I did not get that. Pack. We
1: didn't get an asbestos crayon. <laughs> uh, we had black lung. No. Uh. So, <laughs> the uh, basically, like, an orange or red mm. plate would Okay, would good be guess. Good tangent.
0: guess. So, researchers, Peter Stewart, and Erica Goss found that round, you're absolutely right. Yeah, of course. White plates. White? White.
1: I don't think so.
0: (laughs) They found that white plates led to a 20% increase in food sweetness and 30% increase in flavor intensity.
1: I call bullshit because at any Mexican restaurant you go to that's worth a damn, they're going to have red and green plates, and maybe, I guarantee and you, there's maybe. not a white plate in there <laughs> unless they broke one and needed an extra one, they brought one from home.
0: Possibly. Bullshit. Their thinking is that most likely white accentuates food color and shape. I think
1: that's what it is, because when you go to those fancy places, their food is very boring looking. You mm. know, it's like brown with a little white. So, so. maybe red mm. plates
0: are there to make yeah. the food less spicy. Where? So in in Mexican restaurants. That's racist. <laughs> I knew where that was a setup. <laughs> That was a setup. You were like, hey, walk into my trap. Okay, so so we talked about how senses impact taste. Now let's talk about, talk about how emotions impact taste and flavor. Yeah,
1: so when you're depressed, what do you go for? Steak dinner? No, you go for the ice cream.
0: Okay, well, we'll talk about comfort food in a moment. Let, let's talk about the... some, some lesser known. I don't like
1: that you keep brushing me off. You know, I'm bringing <laughs> up some good stuff. Dong and I are coming up with all these different ideas, and you're just... Let's
0: talk about this. Um, what is your guess? Uh, this is this is based on research on uh, done by Karina Noel and Robin Dando. Okay. They found that there is a difference in how we taste things based on whether we're in a good mood or in a bad mood. So, what's your guess about what positive emotions accentuate in terms of taste?
1: What positive emotion? So, I would imagine, like the happier you are, the sweeter things are. Exactly. Uh, okay
0: yeah and then <laughs> negative emotions and robin
1: and, and karina needed the whole
0: what but um, i mean, this is surprising to me that i'm you in a good about? mood and things L- are gonna taste things, sweeter yeah like when people say like music is, sweet. is
1: the food of life play on like everything is like when the happier you are the, the better things are the better things taste the better thing but when you're the sadder you are but it's are, not
0: just that they taste better it's not that they taste better it's okay that they I'm taste sorry. sweeter
1: they taste sweeter so
0: do you think that's why we say life is sweet like yeah okay yeah, I mean, why would
1: you say, life is bitter, drink on, you know, no, life <laughs> so, okay, is sweet, so, we enjoy all right, sweet Okay, so,
0: okay, mister, I got it all figured out <sighs> from my mouth. <laughs> How about unpleasant or negative emotions? What taste does it accentuate in food?
1: It makes it taste like earwax, like bitter,
0: like <laughs> no. nasty. No, no. Uh,
1: okay. <laughs> sour. Sour. Uh, yeah, so being know. in a
0: bad mood accentuates sour taste fascinating Hmm. to me i think it's so so interesting all right so you brought up comfort food earlier well i brought
1: up specifically being sad and then
0: and then wanting sweets, and then
1: wanting sweets because you want to be happy right so like and then what's a compliment to ice cream is salt like when you have a salty dinner you want something creamy and sweet to kind of balance it out like so so what
0: do you what do you think makes a comfort food a comfort food do you think it's the the sweetness because i think there's also like, i think there's familiarity people eat, people eat like also. potato chips and yeah
1: f- familiarity i and think stuff. in in uh like this is pretty gross when we were growing up one of our biggest comfort foods was <laughs> this is gross i'm, I'm warning you right Say now Hot it potted um, meat hey that's good stuff no uh hot dogs potted meat
0: y'all if you don't know what that is <laughs> When I first moved in with Brian, I moved into his apartment and I was like clearing out all of his like ex-girlfriend stuff because there were like piles and piles of love letters and expired yeah. foods.
1: Just can't help it, baby. You walked into the den. That's what's going to happen. Yeah.
0: And I found all this like cat food and I was like, oh, what is it? Like, <laughs> is this cat food? And then I showed it to you and you were like, no, that's mine. That's my food. And by the way, it wasn't expired, even though it had been there for like 15 uh, years like or something Oh, it's got like an eight year shelf life. And it's potted meat. It's basically just like ground it's like I don't it's even old, know what it is it's, it's, it's byproduct like it's like low class low grade spam so
1: yeah it's like spam is the top shelf yeah. and, then, and then there's potted meat down so that's the not bottom. your
0: comfort that wasn't your comfort food no
1: no no uh, it's delicious though I used to spread it on things. That, was, that was a huge that was like you can get like three cans for a dollar no I have cost
0: effectiveness I, like, I yeah. get it but okay um, so, what, so what was my your comfort gross food comfort was,
1: food uh, my brother and I used to get a pack of um, <laughs> Frank's like hot dogs. Uh, we used to call them weenies, you know, like pack of weenies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say that out loud. It sounds stupid. <laughs> but uh, you know, we used to get a pack of weenies and weenies. uh weenies, as my grandfather used to say, hey, give me some weenies. Uh So <laughs> we used to get the weenies and um, I would just get them like a, like a hot like a bread, piece of bread, not toasted, not hot. See, you made the face, not a hot dog bun or anything, just like a piece of bread and close it up and just eat it like that, uncooked. uh mm-hmm. And Roger would wrap it in a tortilla or something, <laughs> and sometimes he'd sprinkle Cheetos in it, and then that was our that was our that and was that's, our that, when comfort food. You think food. Of
0: comfort food? That's
1: what comes. That's, what I, of, that's what I think. That's I think.
0: So it's really interesting that you brought you brought that up because you know most people think that comfort foods are about what they taste like, but mm-hmm. the more likely explanation is that we associate certain foods with a feeling of belonging and connection,
1: safety too, like you know,
0: but especially social safety. So mm-hmm. psychologist Shira Gabrielle or Gabriel, her hypothesis is that we crave comfort foods most when we're feeling lonely and rejected. Hmm. So what makes something comfortable is our association with having had it usually when we were younger, usually with family or close friends. And this feeling of, like you said, like, safety coziness comfort connection
1: i remember this uh, so I, I i met a group of people uh this was a long time ago in in new york where we did a show together and there were uh, like four guys that had all gone to school together and they knew each other very well one of them went through a bad breakup and uh and i just started hanging out with the guys we just finished a show and they were like you know brian look i think his name was steve or whatever he's like steve needs us so we're going to we're going to be there for him you know That's we're nice. gonna, we're going to we're going to go to his favorite comfort food restaurant on 14th street i was like okay cool just to give me the address and i'll be there this goddamn lobster place oh. and so i was like what the hell like we're what how did you come up that this is, is lobster? lobster? And he, they got like lobster and crab, like this whole big dinner that we were paying for. And I was like, whoa! And I, and you know, I'm not touching. Maybe he tricked people into comfort. I guess you I was like, like oh, I don't remember seeing why, this girl. Yes, I've noticed. Michelin this
0: star restaurants <laughs> are my comfort. <laughs> no, food. but
1: like he was like, yeah, I'm very sad. <laughs> we broke up. It's been four days, and we broke up. Uh, we were together for four whole days, and I was like, I have never even seen this girl. I don't know what he's talking about. And we had to go to this, but like everyone's comfort food is different. But lobster, exactly. Never. But
0: that—that's what I found so interesting about. About reading up on comfort food is that it's it's really about when was a time that you felt comfortable and cozy typically as a kid hmm. and that's going to be the thing that sort of brings you back grilled and gives cheese you that- same grilled thing cheese.
1: remember when you first met me how i would make grilled cheese yeah um my biggest comfort food growing up when my, when my family was still together my mom would be like Do you want grilled cheese and i was like yeah and the way my mom cooked grilled cheese was toast <laughs> She put two pieces of bread in toaster and then slapped bread and cheese in it when it you came know, when out. You when
0: I first met you, you didn't even know what grilled cheese was. <laughs> you were calling bread with a slice of cheese on it grilled cheese.
1: And I wouldn't even say grilled. We said grilled cheese. Grilled cheese. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, give me that. Like it's all up that in grill your grill. Cheese. Yeah. But I think that's a whole prison thing too. Because like in prison, that's how you make. They call it grilled cheese, and I think that's like my family brought that home, like because that's how we called it. But like in prison, like they have their old hot plates, and they make it like they they make their own hot plates, or they have the hot plate, and they make grilled cheese with like just bread and and, and now cheese. Now that
0: it. I'm hearing you talking about this, it's making me realize that when you bring up grilled cheese as you call it, you almost always bring up your mom and you mm-hmm. have like a smile on your face because yeah. that's a positive association because yeah. you think about like, that's when you, you felt like your mom was taking care of you.
1: Yeah. My mom was taking care of me for, for, she put me in my box <laughs> and then, uh, and then let me, and then that's what she feed me, uh, cheese, it's not cheese, golden cheese crackers.
0: That's also uh, comfort food. Comfort
1: food. They don't make them anymore, but they're called gold in cheese mm. and they were golden cheese, but wow. they were gold in cheese cheese and there were this little bag of crackers it also makes me think so of when you're
0: you were just talking about recently your brother teaching you to swim by throwing slices of bologna in the pool <laughs> <laughs> like anytime because now we eat mock bologna vegan bologna yeah but that's still a comfort food yeah. for you and i wonder if it's because of you the association association you have with your brother if
1: you've never had bologna <laughs> on top of a chlorine filled pool you're not living you're missing you're no, out you're no, so this is
0: how specific comfort foods can be chlorinated bologna <laughs> All right. So we talked a little bit about comfort foods, which, by the way, I think is useful to know. I think Dr.
1: Pepper's a comfort food. A-
0: absolutely. That's mm-hmm. a whole like thing yeah. with your family, right? Yeah. Dr. Pepper, feeling of home, Big Red Soda, things mm-hmm. like that. It is useful to know, especially if you overindulge in comfort foods, because sometimes they can be unhealthy. Some, some people's comfort foods skew unhealthy. And it might be useful to pause and go, what else can give me a sense of comfort right now? Hmm. Maybe it's actually calling a friend. Maybe it's reconnecting with someone. Maybe it's taking the time to like listen to what you're feeling and what you're needing yeah. instead of just immediately, you know, kind of putting that blanket of comfort on top of what's going on.
1: Mm, blanket of comfort. Pudding. Oh <laughs> <laughs> No, but but I mean, if you don't have a friend, you know, Dr. Pepper. Then Doctor Pepper yeah, is your friend. It's delicious.
0: <laughs> and
1: Today's episode brought to you by
0: Bye. <laughs> And a lot more low maintenance, I would say. Okay, uh, so we talked a little bit about comfort food. Now let's talk about discomfort food.
1: Ooh, Brian, discomfort Luna. food, what? everything else, <laughs> <laughs> anything not Dr. remember <laughs>
0: <laughs> So, what are the foods that this is? This is uh, for people who know Brian Luna. They know, they know that food is a thing in your life. Mm-hmm. It is a, 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 a kind of a complex thing. Yeah. So what are some of the foods that make you feel bad? What, Dr. Pepper is your friend. Who are some of the foods that are not your friends?
1: Any, any, um, like, obviously, we've talked about how onions aren't a food. Onions. But uh-huh. onions, whatever they represent. <laughs> garlic, um, I think is disgusting. Um, I think uh, any kind of seafood mm-hmm. is bad for me. <laughs> it's bad time for also me. Also
0: bad for the seafood. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, bad. Well, I mean, I, I would never even... When I was eating meat, I would never... Things like that. I mean, like, I'm pretty good with vegetables now. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty... I'm more adventurous, I'd say, than I was in the past. Yeah. But, um... Would you eat an eggplant? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no way! Anything trying to pull itself like when you was it eggplant lasagna or eggplant parmesan or yeah. anything that tries to pass itself off as something delicious, I had, I'm very skeptical of. So, so you are very
0: high on the picky eating spectrum, mm-hmm. which by the way can range from like slight discomfort to full blown ARFID.
1: I get that AFRD. So A- that?
0: A- ARFID stands for Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. Yeah, I got that. So I don't, may, I think so. So it's, it. it's food pickiness or avoidance that leads to significant social and or health problems.
1: Sure. Okay. I don't have health problems. You're, but...
0: you're somewhere. Oh, you're well, somewhere I get
1: really sick with onions.
0: Well, but this isn't about, sometimes it comes from allergies. So sometimes people with I F, B. I don't F, have F, an I allergy
1: eat. for onion. I used to tell people I did because mm. they, they'd they be like, oh, this. you haven't tried this. You haven't <laughs> tried, well, yeah, you don't like onions. You haven't tried this. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. That, I,
0: by the me. way, anyone who's listening, who's ever tried to convince Brian to eat anything, <laughs> that is what y'all. you sound like.
1: It's <laughs> all of y'all, every single <laughs> one of you.
0: So I don't know. I mean, I don't. I would say you're you're on that spectrum for sure. Can mm-hmm. you describe what it's like to be a picky eater, whether or not you have?
1: Well, first of all, we don't see not. ourselves as picky eaters. We we'll okay. see ourselves as just people. Right. So yeah. what does it we feel see like to be a, a person like you? Yeah. Uh, but
0: uh, uh, like, seriously, how does it impact you? Uh, what do you wish people realized that they don't realize when they're like, you just haven't tried this thing? Imagine We're talking imagine to you, like
1: to <laughs> am yeah, talking to you, Drew. Uh, imagine you uh, have <laughs> a phobia, right? Yeah. Uh, say you're afraid of...
0: I'm not afraid of anything, so it's hard for me to imagine
1: <sighs> Imagine you're human. Yeah. Oh, I don't like push-in robberies. Okay. So imagine you didn't like push-ins and people yeah. are like, you just got to try push-ins, man. <laughs> you know what you haven't tried? You haven't tried when they push in from this door. <laughs> and you're like, well, no, I know I'm not going to fucking like it. Right? So, but for me, it's more like, I, I don't, people don't understand. I don't eat to live. No, I mean, I don't live to eat. I eat to live. So I food isn't so important to me that I... You know, have to have this particular thing. I tasted X amount of, I don't care. So they I, feel I, like
0: you're deprived of, leaving. yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, I, I'm fine.
1: completely fine. <laughs> like, there's some things I want to do in my life. Like, I, I want to go to the Sahara Desert, I want to, you know, go to the Gobi Desert, I want to explore certain Deserts. areas. <laughs> yeah, like, I like I, it's fascinating to really, me the history of these areas. And like, I want to see the Redwood Forest. There's certain things I want to do that are adventurous that I want to, and there's other stuff that I don't need to do. There's other... Like, I don't need to go into the ocean. I don't need to (laughs) go to the ocean. I don't need to go to the middle of the ocean. I don't need any of that shit. I'm fine where I am. And people are like, well, you just haven't been to this part of yoga. You haven't done that when you're in Yonkin. I don't care. I don't want to do it.
0: (laughs) All right. So here's what the research shows, even though this is going to be obvious to you, Brian. So... (laughs) Picky eaters, and, and again, it's really tricky because picky eating can sounds... can you not call us picky? Yeah, okay, okay. I'm going to say we are eaters um, who pick at things, avoidant restrictive eaters. <laughs> <laughs> no, eaters I don't care. with eaters is fine. a um, a kidding. more condensed range of preferences. Okay, because uh, I agree, picky eater sounds sounds. First of all, it sounds like childlike. It doesn't
1: matter. I, I, is if it keeps people away from asking me stuff, <laughs> yeah, call me whatever you want.
0: So they do tend to have a lot in common. Uh, they tend to dislike bitter and sour foods. Slippery or slimy foods, lumpy foods, and foods mixed together.
1: Oh, shit. You hit me nail in the head. Like, that's oh, it's right. another the... thing. I don't... I don't...
0: No, your foods have eat. to have, like, at least an inch apart on a plate, <laughs> right? necessarily
1: Look, they can touch, but I'm never going to...
0: Make them interact with yeah, each other.
1: Yeah, like... Like, I've, I've never seen anyone
0: their... eat, like, a main course and then their side... Totally as two separate experiences. Yeah. For me, the whole point is you mix them. I
1: eat my burger. Well, I mean, you know, my, my Beyond Burger. And then I'll eat my fries. As then two I drink, separate things. Then I drink my dark And
0: then pepper. you drink. Yeah. So I don't,
1: I don't mix any of that stuff.
0: Yeah. So you do fall into this this category. Picky eaters also tend to, or or restrictive eaters, tend to get anxious around social meals. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, to, to the point that they won't go places if they're worried that they either will have nothing to eat mm-hmm. or... Someone is going to be there being like, how come
1: you don't try this thing? Anytime we've ever gone to a party with our friends or anytime we've ever gone somewhere, what do we do? I eat first. Yeah. I go and I'll get something to eat. Even if it's like four in the afternoon, I'll get something to eat and that'll carry me through until the end of the night and I'm fine with that.
0: And then do you, does it feel stressful for you when people are swarming around you trying to get you to try stuff? Not anymore.
1: I mean, look, I've been used to it growing up. People try to get me to drink. People try to get me to... Uh, smoke crack no people try to get me to drink and all that stuff but i i never i it was it was easy to swat away i just you know my choice i don't want to do it yeah it's but just, i
0: can imagine how for someone who is maybe a little bit cares more about what others think uh they would feel that intense pressure yeah or anxiety. I,
1: I could see that but, but a lot of people also think that i just haven't explored enough or right, i right. just haven't they're going to be the ones to unlock it. Talking yeah. to you, Drew. They're going to be the ones to unlock <laughs> it or they're going to be the ones to to kind of do it. And it's... it's it's Like I, they want
0: to be your hero. They want to yeah, be your taste bud hero.
1: But but and, and people don't understand being a super taster is also like mm. a big curse, you know, because like I don't taste things the same way you do. Like yesterday when you were eating miso soup, right? And it Umami. made me so gross. It made me so sick. Uh, so I was looking at that and I was like, I, it looks, first of all, visually... I can already taste it.
0: Oh, wow. For right. me, it's such a comfort food.
1: Uh, yeah, I know. You were saying that. And you were like drinking it. And I was like, and, and you're like, are you okay? Do you want to leave? And I was like, no, I'm fine. And I was, like,
0: so, so I'm glad you brought that up because so restrictive eating often comes from stressful experiences with food as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but another leading cause of restrictive eating is being a super taster, which we know you are. Mm-hmm. So Brian Lena, what is it? To, what does it mean to be a super taster? Super
1: taster means that I taste things on a different spectrum than y'all, um, <laughs> than normals. Uh, <laughs> I just a, everything is I, I like bitter is super bitter. Yeah. Like a slightly bitter is super bitter for me. Um, slightly sweet is super sweet to me. Yeah. Uh, the new thing I'm eating right now are funfetti jelly beans mm-hmm. that are holy crap. Those are delicious. And so if I eat something gross during the day, I don't know if you know this. I don't know. If, I don't think I shared this with you. If I eat something like a, a piece of pizza, because pizza around here, um, has has is is going the way of the, the the dodo here. So like sometimes. <laughs> i go to a pizza place and it's pretty good and then i go back to the same place and it's not great
0: i don't think the issue with dodos is that we have poor quality dodos
1: well it's just it's going away i see it's I see. it's it's disappearing like quality pizza okay consistent quality pizza. quality pizza so after i eat the pizza what i'll do is i have to eat about 12 jelly beans wow uh, depending on how to like cleanse your eight to 12 jelly beans to cleanse my palate and that means i have to skin the jelly bean uh, and then chew the center. So, like, I skin the inside of my mouth. I'll so, you have, skin like, a, an order that oh, you yeah, have to eat yeah, yeah, the I jelly to, beans like, in. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I, some of that, I would say, super tasters. Some of that sounds a little different uh, in that it sounds like you have certain, like, rituals and routines and patterns that you need to follow. Uh-huh. Super tasters, to your point, they taste things more intensely. Yeah. Um supertoasters make up about twenty five percent of the population, uh, in part because they have a gene called, write this down, TAS two R three eight.
1: <laughs>
0: TAS three eight? two R three eight. Two R Um so one theory is that they have more taste buds on their tongue than mm-hmm. average, and they have stronger taste buds than average. Yeah, I, I say their stronger. Tongue. So and, and both. So the most likely it's both. So they tend to be very sensitive to bitter tastes like Greens, uh, dark greens, coffee, beer, carbonation, oh, yeah.
1: dark chocolate. I've never had coffee. I tasted coffee last year. Yeah. Thanks you to Andy and Alyssa. Who, our who, who convinced Brian. Convinced me that a PSL, uh, which is a pumpkin spice latte, latte, would be delicious. And I went to Dunkies, just like they told me to do. And they told me to get... Um, Dunkin' Donuts. Dunk, Dunkies, PSLs, and... <laughs> I got it in the drive-through. I didn't make it to the end of the drive-through. I was like, "This is gross." It was so bitter. You were so upset. Oh, it was so because because they made it sound like it was going to be this yeah. candy treat. Yeah, and it was like someone dropped candy. So you
0: literally taste things differently from from you know seventy five percent of the population. Mm-hmm. And we actually know Brian has this genetic mutation because we've given you a p. T C test, mm-hmm. uh, which listeners, if you're curious, you can get one on Amazon. They're really cheap. So it's a small strip with a chemical called phenyltheocarbamide mm-hmm. or PTC. I'm so mm-hmm. bad with ap- abbreviations. PTC for short. Um, 25% of people can't taste anything at all. About 50% will taste a mild bitterness and 25% will describe it as what? Like when you tasted it. It, it was
1: bitter. It was like, it was like, like accidentally putting your finger in your ear and then putting it in your mouth. It was wow. Really why would someone
0: strong? accidentally put their finger in their ear and then put it in their mouth? I I put
1: my finger in my mouth all the time.
0: <laughs> you do. You touch your face so much. So, yeah. So, people who are super tasters described as like vile or like extremely unpleasant to and, you know, the point of discomfort.
1: Earlier, I was I was shitting on lobster. And I got to say, I've never even tasted lobster.
0: Nor should anyone.
1: But what I'm saying, but like I went to a fancy dinner party at this, you know, in Manhattan. It was at this, this woman's house. My, my ex-girlfriend. Who's my favorite ex-girlfriend? Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I went to her her best friend was having this big dinner party with this woman's father was coming from from England and This
0: feels like more details than we need.
1: Well, I'm saying like it was it was a bunch of like classy people, you okay. know, like like this guy from England her her dad used to watch trains. Now, do you know how classy you gotta be to watch trains, like to be a train watcher? No. But that's some shit like I never even knew people did or I, like. Are you hobby. sure they
0: weren't just messing with you? No,
1: he was a train watcher. He used to go, they actually went to New Jersey to ride the special. Anyway, the whole point is that he was a real classy dude, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised he wasn't wearing a monocle, but he wasn't. <laughs> so um, they, they they brought this big um, the, the fancy dinner. They order it from Maine and they drive it over that day. So it gets there and it's just this big tub. And like a big, like a big, um, like can, uh, uh-huh. it was like, a, like a skin, skinny trash can. And it's filled with like lobsters and mussels and clams. I don't know what the difference is between mussels and clams. If it's the same thing, I'm sorry if it is. And they put it on the thing and they cook the whole thing. Right. And then everyone's sitting around and everyone's like, oh my God, this is, ooh. And everyone's like, ooh, it's kind of, oh. and everyone's meanwhile is talking real fancy. There's no soda. Right. So I'm drinking water. Everyone's <laughs> drinking wine and, and some whiskey and things like that. And there's no soda. So we all sit down and um, it's a long table such as the one we're sitting at now. And to the left of me, her father was sitting there at the head of the table. And then everyone else was sitting around. Uh, my ex-girlfriend was sitting next to me. You know, my favorite ex-girlfriend. She was sitting next to me and everyone was sitting. And everyone was like, so, Tanya, everyone's looking around like it was, um, you know, fancy pants, you know, like everyone was talking about these topics that were way over my head, you know, everything. And I was just sitting there. I was like, okay, okay. And then the plates came out. And then the meal came out. Ugh. And everyone got a lobster on their plate. Ugh. And I wasn't, I was under the impression that it was going to be like food and not an animal <laughs> you had to get into. You know, I didn't know how, how it worked. I didn't, I've never had lobster before. So everyone started like, cra- I just hear cracking. And mm-hmm. the smell that came out was Intense. It was really intense, and everyone was laughing, and the room started spinning, and it was like na 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 na. And I look over to my left, and this man who was like I thought was like a baron or something, you know, with a monocle, crack. And then he cracked open the the lobster, and something sprayed on my face, oh, like no. it, it splashed on my face. And he had juice coming down his mouth, and I think it was drool because he was very excited about oh. it. And I was like. I have to go. And I went outside that's making
0: and making me feel sick. I sat on the it.
1: stoop and they had to order me a pizza from Vanguard pizza <laughs> in the village. And um, and that's what I ate while everyone was eating. I felt like such a kid, but I was like, I don't care. Like I can't it was it's
0: making me like sick thinking about it. It, it
1: was so disturbing and I got all I could all I got the closest I ever got to eating lobster was the smell and hot juice from that older yeah. man's It sounds like
0: you didn't consume that. Lobster consensually.
1: No, no, no. It would have been consensual. Everyone was telling me the same thing. Try. You don't know. You don't know what you meant. Dip it in here, and they had this like dip it, dip it in here, and then you. Okay. Eat. So
0: I would not uh, try to encourage anyone to get it. You know, force themselves to try to eat a, an animal. However. Mm-hmm. Expanding your palate, probably pretty (laughs) important. Uh, For example, vegetables, super important, right? Like could be really dangerous for your heart, predictor of colon cancer, not Mm -hmm. eating enough leafy greens, things like that. Leafy
1: greens, good for your joints. Um, So what are some tips
0: for how you yourself have expanded your palate? Which is why I struggle whether or not you would be diagnosed as having ARFID because probably when I met you, your palate was really, really Really restricted. yeah. Now I would say... For the most part, you're eating quite I healthy. i
1: pretty much had every vegetable. No, <laughs> I, every, I don't, you know, no, I don't think that's so. true. But, but I, I would say uh, walk <laughs> That's if you don't, think
0: there are four vegetables.
1: <laughs> I'd say my, my biggest thing is walk, don't run. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Like find something you really love. Like find a base things that you love. If it's pizza, if it's this, if it's that. And then step out of that just like a couple of inches. So mm-hmm. maybe uh, broccoli with cheese on it. Or, right. or like, you know, not like tons of cheese but i'm saying like yeah but pair with cheese. the yeah. new things with the things
0: um, you're that like you're comfortable oil. with
1: exactly like you like olive oil was a huge thing for us when we first got together you were putting olive oil on everything and all of a sudden it was like everything i could taste certain things mm. like i could like get into it and um textures are huge textures are one of the biggest things for for me like broccoli slimy broccoli new no. <laughs> spinach Slimy spinach, like the one Popeye used to eat, no. <laughs> Leafy spinach, I'm you're all good, about. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, and this is exactly what the research shows as well. So, starting in really, really tiny doses. Mm-hmm. A lot of people try to go too yeah, quickly yeah, to yeah. the deep end. Making meals as low stress as possible—that's mm-hmm. really important. So, trying new foods when you're alone or with someone who makes you feel safe. So that's not you, Drew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always having a backup meal plan—that's something that I think. You yeah, and I you have used gotten to do. Yeah, yeah, like you've okay, been great so you have. That. The new thing that you're going to try, yeah. but no worries if you don't like it. Yeah, you. That's you're gonna you, have a man, That's your plan. Like you said, pair new foods with comfort foods and flavors. Um, here's an interesting one. I don't know that you'd agree with this one, especially given your lobster story. Watching others eat the food.
1: Mm-hmm. No, could no, be no, really no, helpful. No, 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 no <laughs> For no. some
0: people. No. Um uh, Here, two others. I'm curious about. Um, bite and chew, but don't swallow.
1: No, gross. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh-huh
0: and the no. last one and this this it kind of takes us into the last section that i wanted to talk to you about is familiarity mm-hmm. building up familiarity familiarity is actually super important when it comes to the psychology of taste because most taste preferences are actually acquired rather than innate
1: acquired see but i don't understand how do you acquire it if you can't get past the, right like, okay. like beer so, you know like people always say oh beer is an acquired taste right i've tasted beer before
0: yeah and... so i would say again you are a unique case although i bet that you could acquire it if you wanted to. Your unique case because you're a super taster, but three factors are big okay. predictors uh, of whether a taste is going to be acquired. And again, most foods we eat, especially the healthier foods, tend to be an acquired taste okay. versus an innate taste. So number one is social influence. If other people are eating it, we're significantly more likely to take an interest in it. You in particular are very uninfluenced by others.
1: Very uninfluenced. So
0: that's a tough one because in fact, you assume that if other people like it, Not only will you not like it, but you assume that those people are less respectable than (laughs) you are. (laughs) Yes, that is
1: true. So
0: so, social influence doesn't work for you, but for others it does. Like, this is how people get into alcohol, into smoking, into, Mm -hmm. you know, cheese, stuff like that. Where you're, like, seeing fancy people eat gross cheese at a party and they're like, okay, I guess Mm -hmm. I'll try this, right? So a lot of times acquired tastes start with pretending that you like something. So that's number one, the social influence. Here are the two that I think are going to be more useful for you. Uh, Number two is something called the mere exposure effect. So Mm -hmm. what research shows is that when we experience something more often, just that alone (laughs) makes us like it more. (laughs) So the first time you try something, especially if it's not like that, either sweet or salty taste that most of us innately like, you're not going to like it for the most part. Mm -hmm. The more times you try it, especially in tiny doses, the more comfortable someone becomes with it.
1: Let them bring me into this (laughs) lap and let me shoot this. And then here's the third one. Third one is
0: super important and that's classical conditioning, which is building a positive association with foods or experiences that are more naturally enjoyable. So like you said, maybe you have an aversion to broccoli, but you like cheese Pairing cheese and broccoli, cheese and broccoli, over and over and oh. over, makes your brain go, oh broccoli! I like this." Mm. For example, or maybe every time you eat something that you don't like, something really exciting happens. Like maybe you know we, we celebrate it and we're excited about it and we're happy about it and we're having a good time.
1: It would have to be more than a celebration. <laughs> we're talking gifts. Or we're or, talking gift cards. <laughs> it's going to have to be more so than every a, time yay, you eat broccoli, having... you get a gift card. Uh, Sound uh, done. <laughs> in yes
0: (laughs) but but the more the more um powerful classical conditioning is actually positive association with other foods so for example a lot of people who start to like coffee they like it because at first they're having it with cream and sugar so cream and sugar you don't really have to teach anyone to like those things you mix it you mix it you mix it you mix it little by little you can start taking cream and sugar away Mm -hmm. and your brain has the positive association with just the coffee. Okay. A lot of people who like really dark chocolate, they started off with lighter chocolate. And then you go darker and darker and darker. And that positive association is still there. Okay. So taking advantage of classical conditioning. I see that you are not... I'll take
1: your word for it. I, I think this is I think is a load of honky. The dung. <laughs> I, I just think this is... Uh, I don't know. A load of honky is not, not what I meant. Uh, a, lo- a load of bullpucky. I, it's it's not... G- for if you. If you put me in front of an onion every day... <laughs> and be like, oh, hi, Mr. Onion I guess you're okay to eat now Did I,
0: I never said personify your food
1: No, but I'm saying, like, you, you're, you want me and to look, put it look, like exposure. with all
0: research, right Like, there are things that all human beings have in common But that, would I would say, is a very small number of things mm. Most of us are individuals with all sorts of, yeah. you know, quirks And individual you look experiences at me you quirks? and preferences <laughs> So, for, like with all episodes, listeners, as you're taking this in try things out. If it doesn't work for you, that is okay. I just want to note also, though, the the last contributor to acquired taste is also really important to understand when it comes to what makes it so difficult for people with certain illnesses, or for example, people undergoing chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because what happens when you have, through that classical conditioning mechanism of association if you become nauseous as soon as you eat something Mm -hmm. your brain learns very very quickly to stay away from that food Hmm, i don't know if you've ever gotten like um like stomach what what they call food poisoning Mm -hmm. like i remember i got food poisoning from this restaurant that i won't name it's a chain
1: uh since you've been we've been together yeah
0: yeah yeah it was like uh i won't i won't name it because i feel Uh, bad because then
1: you tell people i'm gonna tell people right now the last (laughs) time i had bad pizza was uh papa john's and let me tell you. Oh,
0: you haven't had Papa John's since. I haven't
1: had Papa John's since that day. Right.
0: So imagine you're undergoing chemotherapy. Everything you're eating is making you sick. Oh, yeah. So that strips away the foods that you can eat. So, back to neurogastronomy, researchers like Dan Hahn spend a lot of time working with hospital patients trying to either block flavors or change flavors to prevent those negative associations from farming
1: that's amazing yeah good luck good luck to
0: i think it's really it's really important again in summary taste is likely not essential to our survival especially if you're looking at packaging instead of tasting (laughs) stuff to decide if it's okay and safe (laughs) to eat but it is important to our quality of life like you said the sweet life when we understand flavor and taste and how to augment it and play with it in our everyday lives it just makes for a richer experience listeners help us make the world a tastier place or help us help other people just go i'm good yeah i'm fine with what yeah. i am yeah so please leave a review <laughs> that helps people find us decide that they want to listen to this podcast and tell a friend about the show
1: and as usual thank you for listening to talk psych to me, to me.
0: Mm.